Welcome to the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the Out of the Park podcast series. We invite you to join us for other programming you can find on our website at www.framparkcenter.org. Join us. Welcome to the Out of the Park podcast, a project of the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I am the Reverend Dr. Mike Hegeman, the Associate Director of the Park Center, and we have with us here today Mr. Nate Smith, our Communications Associate. And Nate, you have been leading us uh, through a discussion of film and faith and life this summer. And what do we have on the docket for today? Well, last night we screened A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, a story of Mr. Rogers, uh, but more the story of us more than anything. Yeah, it's a remarkable film. You know, just if you just heard the title, and I, I had not seen this film until last night, and I thought it was just kind of maybe another dramatized documentary about uh, Fred Rogers and the work that he did. I didn't realize that the, we would step into kind of an alternate world, you know, just mm-hmm. not the not necessarily the kids programming that Fred, Fred uh, Rogers did, but... Uh, but with the framework of his work, we enter into a very adult world, and uh, the how the message Mr. Rogers had and embodied could transform lives. So, absolutely. What was when did you first see this film, and what was your first initial reaction to this film? Well, some of it first came out back in 2016, and it had been over a decade since uh, Fred Rogers had passed, and uh, and he was still. It was still kind of there was still some buzz around the uh, the myth, the legend of Mr. Rogers and his his, his kind-hearted spirit, and uh, and of course his children's program uh, really just was such a landmark of American television. Um, so it was great to kind of see it put on screen in, a, in the unique fashion it was, uh, kind of kind of manufactured to uh, to look like a grown-up episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed as a kid. Yeah, I was it was remarkable to see. And how serious this film really was. It and, was, yeah, yes. To see that uh, the characters in it really, uh, they go through a lot of, they go through a lot of emotions, and that's probably key to this film, but they but they have to go through a personal uh, transformation in perceiving Fred Rogers and mm-hmm. his work, but also ultimately it's a, a transformation in understanding themselves. And so I think this, I, my first response is, this film it's a brilliant film you know people i heard people before the film saying oh this is a tom hanks film can tom hanks do any wrong you know that's yeah, the sense of yeah. that and so that has a lot of credit uh, uh as far as having somebody like tom hanks portray mr rogers it's funny. It's one of those movies that it doesn't have any right to exist. It's it's too good for its own good. It's it's one of those things. I I'm surprised it passed, uh, passed through producers' meetings without it becoming crowded with uh you know just a slew of different ideas. It's a very it's a very straightforward tale, uh, but done and and just the playfulness that only Mr. Rogers could deliver, uh you know via the model sets uh that that serve as kind of a transition between scenes. You know the model when someone's stuck in traffic, you see you know toy cars <laughs> uh bumper to bumper on a on a on a on a model bridge right and so we're we're brought into a world mm-hmm. a world that's some ways made smaller more 
human, sometimes more likable, more manageable. We'll come uh-huh. back to that idea of manageable. But it's uh, there's something about this where as we're brought into this world, a microcosm of human life. And, yes. Right. Yes. One of the things that I was struck uh, with about this film is that uh, the, the word surreal just kept coming to me. And mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure if it was surreal, not in kind of a, a hyper surrealism, you know, just uh, kind of absurdist or out really out there. Not a David Lynch. Surrealist. No, right. No, yeah. this was this is sense of that we we're alerted to the very first scenes that this is not reality. Right. You know, this mm-hmm. sense of we were we have Mr. Mr. Rogers the uh, kind of as a narrator for uh, an encounter, yeah. but and and yet we're because you know there's something that breaks the that breaks the kind of the realms of reality as far as I mean to say that Mr. Rogers is doing his usual thing as he's taping his episode, showing pictures of people that are involved with the show, and then we come to a face that is bruised and a little bloody and it's all kind of sur- shocking isn't it? Right. it it's kind of led to look like a, a you know a typical children mr rogers neighborhood and then you see a, then you see someone really scarred right and, and that's so there's and the 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 questions of here's you know the, the statement here's somebody who who needs to learn to forgive that's not the exact words but we we see that this become from the very first moment the the world into which we, you know, we're invited is to see how somebody can learn to forgive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is it going to be possible? Will it happen? Will it not? And, but we're, so, and throughout the film, not only are there dream sequences, but there are, there are moments which they don't conform to reality. Correct. You know, but it's still a nice way of, of um, framing the film. And I think what, I, what came to me is I was thinking about that film, A Beautiful Mind, you know, several years ago, was that a Russell Crowe movie yes, of course, about yeah. a Princeton professor who has uh, schizophrenia, mm-hmm. and there's there's a lot in that film which the you can John it, Nash, yes, right, correct, and there's a there's a lot in that film where you know that because the character is dealing with the perceptions of reality, what is real and what isn't mm-hmm. real, you have you have to go along with that in the film, but there's one moment in which the film there's one moment in the film which tries to be real. It's a real moment, quote-unquote, real moment, where there's exchange, a giving of a pen by other Princeton faculty to this one kind of a sense of, we accept you now, we're going to give you this pen or something, I, if I'm remembering right. That's a great scene. You are remembering it right. Right. The fact is, is that's completely not real. There's no, there was nothing like that ever happened. Mm-hmm. And well, I remember even watching that film going, thinking, that doesn't ring true. Right, that was for me when I watched it. There's something about that that's contrived and doesn't seem to be real. Uh-huh. And in even in that film with somebody who's tr- struggling with reality, you have the overall framework that the events that are happening are real. Yes. Right? The, yes. the whole thing, even when somebody is delusional within the film. What I appreciated about this film, about you know, a, a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, is that from the very beginning, you're alerted to the fact that uh, this isn't quite real. You know, there's a mm. it's a story time and story times allows for different things to happen that wouldn't happen into reality. And so I didn't I didn't have that sense of ah, did that event actually happen that way? Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because when you do a little research, you know, you find out some things in the film actually did happen. And one of those moments was like I said, there's a uh, Mr. Rogers and the, somebody who's interviewing him for an article step onto a subway train. 
and people recognize him, especially the children. And the children start singing the theme song to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. And almost all the people on the tr- in the car, subway car, join in. And I thought... That feels a little contrived, but I didn't. It didn't bother me because we're in story time, right? This is yep. story. This is the yep. weaving of story and all kinds of things. And what happen. did you come to find out? What I come to find out is that it actually did happen, it right? Did, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, and what we learned through the you know this journalist who's writing an article on Mr. Rogers, uh, there's probably you know film. Film can take real events and run with them, right, and tell the story its own way, specific way. I understand that. I get all that. But what we find out is that there is an – this is based on an actual article that was written, 10,000-word article that is was written uh, in either 1997 or 98, mm-hmm. uh, and um, mm-hmm. 1997, yeah, 98. Right, 1998, yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, the film is based on a string of real events that come to light through this article. And then the then the film – embodies that in story and so it's it's brilliantly done and i think uh, it uh, actually portrays the character well you have both have the character of fred rogers and the person of fred rogers you know uh mr rogers and fred rogers but is portrayed quite well what 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 draws like through the film what draws you to this phenomenon we know as mr rogers well i think uh tom hanks did right by Mr. Rogers um, the whole way along um, and just making him approachable, um, making him human. Um, there's a great scene where um, the character Lloyd, um, who, is ba- who is essentially um, uh, the author of the article that the movie is based on, uh, though a different name, uh, but he interviews Fred Rogers and he basically is alluding to the fact that Mr. Rogers and Fred Rogers are two different people, that uh, that Fred is just playing a character on a show. And then there's this brilliant pause between the two where it leads the audience into realization of, oh, they're the same person. Mr. Rogers is looking at, at Lloyd very perplexed, like, what do you mean? I'm, you know, this is this is who I am. Right. And he and it I, that's what I think is so uh, you know, kind of impactful about Mr. Rogers, Mr. Fred Rogers, the human being, mm-hmm. is that the man you see on the screen is the man that you see in all their aspects of his life. You know, there wasn't, he's not playing a character mm-hmm. uh, of himself. And he's like um, the Drew Carey show, right? Drew Carey is right. playing Drew Carey, but on a TV show, which is something different <laughs> from himself, right? It's true. You know, well, right. I think I think Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood kind of broke the mold of that because there was a lot of that, you know, stars act, you know, using their 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 actor name and 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 kind of a scripted series that has nothing to do with their life. Mr. Rogers had a scripted series that didn't necessarily have everything to do with his life, but did at the same time. It, it you know, it, it dealt with feelings that we all deal with. And right. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, the Seinfeld show. Exactly. Right? Know. Yeah, that's a great case in point. Yeah. Right. So what, but what that is, is saying in the life of faith, you know, we can look and saying, how is it that uh, the, the person that we are, our public persona hmm. is congruent with the, the inner person as well. And that's a, you know, the people, they'll talk about, you know, well, let's see, not to be hypocritical, or I'm trying to think of the language that we use, but is to say that we want to be one person. And this is actually a goal of faith, I think, is, is the saying, to recognize, you know, I, as a, as a minister, I have a public persona, right? Mm-hmm. There's something that when I'm leading in worship, um, there are aspects of who I am that are highlighted 
for me to be able to lead in worship, lead in as a minister in a congregation. Mm-hmm. But I would want that, even though certain aspects come forward, uh, you know, in those roles, sure. that I would want uh, them to be congruent with my inner person. You know, we don't want, you know, somebody, you know, who who is some classically some some folks that were very far, very different off stage than they were on stage. Oh, I don't know. What was that? Uh, uh, the Baker guy. Oh, uh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be a that would be an example of Jim uh, Baker. Two different Jim right. Baker. Yeah, Jim Baker is a good cautionary tale. You know, not to, to hold him up because. On one hand, he's very public. There have been movies made about his life with his wife, Tammy Faye. Um, and, but it's also cautionary to say that any of us could stray into that realm if we don't find a congruence between who we are as public people and, and privately so that you mm-hmm. get the same person uh, no matter what the venue is, what, the, what, the, what realm we're living in. So that's what I think. What I, why would Mr. Rogers be my hero is that he is a very congruent person. I like that. Yeah. Congruent. Cons- yes. Consistent. That's very fitting. Yep. And that the compassionate, caring person that he exhibits in public is is uh, congruent with who we – the film tries to surely show that this he is one person. So he doesn't understand the question like when the, the interviewer is saying, well, what's the difference between the Mr. Rogers – you know, the Mr. Rogers and Fred Rogers? Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. you can see this puzzled look from Mr. Rogers. Well, you also have his wife, Joanne, who is just such a great um, bridge between, you know, the show and Mr. Rogers' life. And, uh, you know, basically telling Lloyd, the uh, the reporter, interviewing Fred Rogers, that, well, Mr. Rogers is human like the rest of us. You know, he has he has a temper and it's kind of one of those things that like you can't you can't picture Mr. Rogers having a temper, um, but she goes on to say it's how he manages it, and and it's you know and the, and the the word integrity came to mind you know uh, doing the right thing when no one is watching and uh, and we we have that great moment uh, with Mr. Rogers in the movie where he's all alone and no one is watching and he's playing this beautiful piano piece, and then when we least expect it. He just slams down the uh, the keys in the piano in frustration, um, and he's having a moment. He's having a moment of anger, like we all do. And rather than taking it out on his crew, as he well could have, uh, and that is kind of a staple of Hollywood, is meltdowns on set. He goes off in his corner and is and 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 does his thing. He expresses his he expresses himself in a healthy manner and is able to manage his emotions. Right, and I think the film does a really nice job of. Of not beating our head, beating us over the head with any ideology or idea, but they show us. It's a that's sense of that's exactly the power right. of the power of um, film. Mm. Is the power of film is not to not to overstate things, but to mm-hmm. do it subtly that we are throughout. We're invited into a world in which we see uh, others. We see a hero modeled, mm-hmm. but we also are able to see ourselves through through him and through yeah, other characters. Yeah. And we and uh, I could I could vouch for the fact that there were very few dry eyes in the house at certain key points <laughs> in the film because the the what the film deals with is about families that struggle, mm-hmm. reconciliation, old mm-hmm. wounds and families brokenness, brokenness, and uh, and so it's very relatable. And the film does a nice job even the, within this realm of we know it's a, a story bigger than reality, mm-hmm. right? They know that, but there it's based in reality, and that's a yeah. whole sense of yeah. whether. 
you know, yeah. moments in the film actually did happen, whether they happened in the order we see them or with it, you know, that it's it's connected to reality. Exactly. Just as Mr. Rogers would do in any episode of his, his television program is mm-hmm. uh, is kind of scaling the world down, making it smaller, making it manageable, as I said before. Right. You know, really just treating all these big things that we perceive as, wait, no, I got this. God, right. God has this, right. you know. And that's what, too, a film, whereas they don't, ever come right out and say that uh, Mr. Roger, Mr. Fred Rogers is an ordained Presbyterian minister. Yeah. They, there yeah. are, there are subtle ways in which they allude, not a, a, allude to his faith. It's a quiet film. Right. It's a quiet film. And, and the messages aren't preachy. Um, you know, they, they, they tell the story. They don't, they don't scream it. Right. And so they don't shy away from the fact that he is a person of faith mm. and his faith. When, he, when he's praying, right. when he's going through, he, he says earlier in the film that, you know, uh, or his wife says that he has a li- list of people he keeps in his little notebook of, of of people he prays for every night. Yeah. And there's that one sequence, right, where all of a sudden you hear him voicing all the names and you're kind of like, wait, what is this? What? Why? Why are all these names popping up? And then you realize, oh, he's praying for them. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it shows to his, uh, almost the sweetness of his his compassion, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it, at the same time showing us how human he could be, and so and even that makes him approachable. That's exactly it. It's just the fact that he is human, and and and, and he, you know, it's he. I do consider him a modern day saint, but it is it is true that to say that almost makes his traits unattainable, you know, for the rest of the world. Right. It, it's almost daunting. Like, yeah. oh, my gosh, I can't. I can't handle things on the scale Mr. Rogers does. That comes out in the film, too. Yes, in a does. sense of, right, it's a sense of if we put somebody too high upon a pedestal. Which we often do. Right. Then then say that the kinds of things that they do and what they embody in the world is, is we, we could never do that. Like, <laughs> say you know, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, you know, just saying if we hold her, at, put her upon a pedestal, we keep her at arm's length and we don't say that. What uh, she started off with little things that she could do, yes. you know, and say. So as we kind of draw to the end of this, our July series uh, focusing on film, mm-hmm. what are your insights about the power, at its best, the power of film to bring us into dialogue about faith? You know, it's 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 just the recognition of ourselves on screen. Um, I think that's what makes film so powerful. Um, is that it's 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 relatable. Um, it's so it's so fun for me uh, after seeing a movie a certain amount of times to not watch the movie so much as watch the audience and, and look at the movie through their eyes. You know, everyone brings their own experiences to film, and and a film you may see, you know, when it when it comes out and it's different than the film the same film you see maybe twenty years later. You're a different person. You're seeing it with, with a different perspective. You have a whole new slew of experiences to kind of meld with what you're seeing on screen. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I, I, I think that's what makes film timeless, if it's done right. right. Uh, if and it's we're, done right. We're brought, uh, when it's done well, we're brought into a world. Sure, certainly, we, we understand these, the presentation of life is shaped, highly shaped. Yes. And yes. Uh, has a message, right? Has a bias, has a message. Uh, but... Uh, but the best of film 
is a, is subtler about some of those things, you know, and and allows brings us into make our own choices, it's so true. spark our imagination, yes. and get us into dialogue and talking uh, with one another about that, you know. It's and and the quote from the first movie we showed in the series, uh, Jesus Revolution, and I've used this many times, but it just it's just it's so prevalent in the in the films we screened and uh, and most films out there is that it's it's the truth that is quiet, the lies are loud. You know, it's hard to kind of sift through um, and find meaning in, in, in such a loud culture. Um, and, and and I think that uh, just rings so true to me, and I hope to others as well. Right. And I, I think after watching uh, and participating in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, I'm inspired to be a better person. I mean, I really, I say, sure. how could I, in what ways could I be more congruent mm-hmm. uh, and more compassionate and uh, deal with my feelings better. I mean, there's lots of things it's like, but I walk away saying, I don't know how I could not watch this film and not think, uh, I want to be a better person. Yeah. And it's yeah. Me- and it's and that's attainable. It is, yeah. and it's it was you know it's attainable for for any five year old watching it as it is for any 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 adult. It's you know you kind of it, it's. It's one you can watch with your kids and, and watch it from two different angles. You know, it's a great lesson uh, for children, but it's uh, it's a lesson that still rings true for adults. You know, compassion, forgiveness, all these Christ-like traits that you see Mr. Rogers exhibit, and uh, and 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 curating them in a way that that you feel is manageable and attainable. Well, Nate, thank you for helping guiding us through these four conversations about film and faith. And uh, I invite all of you who are listening out there to stay tuned for further episodes of the Out of the Park podcast series. In the month of August, we will be talking about education. Join us then. Thanks for joining us at our Out of the Park podcast series. If you like this program and would like to check out more, go to our website at www.bramparkcenter.org.